Hey everybody, this is John Finn, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I.org. Hope you'll go to our website, sign up for my weekly thoughts and my monthly e-newsletter. Those weekly thoughts come out every Friday. They're teaching, general teaching on things of the Lord. Also visit our website. Um, there We've got videos about house church. We've got articles. We've got archived weekly thoughts and e-newsletter. Uh, it's, you can contact us there, uh, all sorts of things there. So cwowi.org. As most of you know, we're a worldwide house church network, uh, celebrating the gathering of the saints the same way they did in the first 300 years, which is uh, rotating homes when possible and certainly rotating who leads each week, led by a core group of of individuals. And uh, I'll tell you, it works. It works cross-cultural, many nations, etc. So today, talking about shadows of things to come, and this is going to help uh, just on a day-to-day walking with the Lord, because we're all about implementing the ways of the Lord into our lives. And so many people want to hear the voice of the Lord, want to walk with the Lord. They're not sure how to do it. Let me give you some very practical steps here, some recent experiences. Uh, but let me take it from Scripture first. Let me let me lay a foundation. <clears throat> do you Have you considered why Peter slept so soundly in Acts chapter uh, 12 when he was uh, captive by Herod and was going to be executed in the morning. And Acts 12, 7 and 8 tells us that he was so soundly asleep that when the angel came, he it said he hit him on the side to wake him up. He had to hit him to wake him up. So Peter was so sound asleep, angel had to come in there and give him a good shove to wake him up. Now, Peter was surprised when he got outside and said, wow, this is a real thing. This wasn't a dream. This wasn't a, a vision or something like this is how the Lord uh, rescued me. But have you wondered why was he asleep in the first place so soundly? Uh, and the answer is very easy. The answer is because in Acts 21, 18, the Lord had said, when you are old, so, someone is going to lead you along and stretch forth your hands and, and take you where you don't want to go. And the Gospel of John in 2118 says this is indicating the type of death that Peter would die, which was a, a crucifixion. But Jesus was very specific, when you are old. So in Acts chapter 12, we're just talking, you know, a, a couple years after Jesus had told that to Peter. So Peter, I believe, was sound asleep, not knowing how his deliverance would come, but confident that that was not his time, because the Lord had said, when you are old, you're going to be crucified. What Herod had done, it was in, in Acts 12, 1, in the opening lines there, he killed uh, James, uh, brother of John, uh, with the sword. And so the method of execution was wrong. The age was wrong. So Peter slept soundly. And then what I'm getting to is this. We have to go back many times to the things that the Lord originally told us in order to walk with him. Another example is Paul. Now I'm going to two examples, one in my wife's life, one in my own. Um, but in, in Acts chapter <clears throat> 28.3, Paul has been shipwrecked on the island of Malta, and they're gathering sticks for a fire, and it says a viper, uh, a poisonous snake, latches itself onto Paul's hand, and he just shakes it off into the fire, and he goes about his business. And when no harm came to him, they thought, oh, he must be a god or something. But have you ever wondered why did Paul take that so nonchalantly? You know, if uh, in the United States we have rattlesnakes, we have cottonmouth, we have different poisonous snakes. If one of those, you know, latched onto us, would we be so nonchalant about it and so confident about it? Well, if you go back to Acts chapter 20, uh, 27, verses 33 and 34, Paul is on the ship. And they've gone 14 days without eating anything. The storm was so, so huge, so massive. 
and and they tossed everything overboard to lighten the ship and everything else. And it, and it says this, Paul said this, he said, there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. And he said, fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given you all who are on board. Now, the angel had told him that you must be brought before Caesar. So in the adjustment that Paul made in his thinking, that was, okay, so a snake bites me, you know, a, a day later or a night later or whatever the case is, then there must be no harm that's going to come to me because the Lord already told me through the angel, I've got to be brought before Caesar. So I know the net result is not going to be anything wrong. Now, see, what happens with most Christians is they receive a word from the Lord and then something happens that appears to be contrary and they run around like a chicken with their heads cut off, you know, not knowing what they're doing, bumping into everything. Oh, no, no, no. You've got to be like Peter. You've got to be like Paul. You go back to the original thing the Lord told you and you rest in that. Now, let me give you, let me give you an example in my own life. On the 4th of July um, this year, we had a group of friends up, and I'm sharing this, I believe, by by permission. I've shared it a couple different times with mom and dad present, so um, uh, appreciate that, guys. Anyway, so we had some friends up. It was like eight kids, our handicapped son, Chris, in the wheelchair, uh, or nine kids, whatever it was, and, and about the same number of adults. And so I'm praying about the 4th of July. Now, for those outside the United States, the 4th of July celebrates our independence uh, Declaration of Independence from Great Britain, from England in 1776. So it's a day celebrated with fireworks, and usually there's a cookout. Uh, for those in South Africa, uh, south of the equator, Australia, New Zealand, etc., it's the, it's the middle of our summer. It's the middle point of the summer. The end of May, there's a holiday called Memorial Day, and that starts summer. And we have Labor Day at the beginning of September. And that ends summer, and the middle up point is July 4th. And so big celebration. So I'm praying about it. And we're, Barb and I are making preparations and everything. And I have something in my spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm scanning. This is the way I do this. So scan in my mind, um, you know, everyone who's coming. And I walk through the day in my mind of, of the expectation, the cookout, uh, you know, the kids playing, all the different things like that. And I'm, I'm weighing it out. And... Um, and as I do so, one little girl in particular comes to mind, and it's like I see a picture. I, I know intuitively, and I I have a picture of her grabbing a, a firework uh, that's hot, and her fingers being burned—a pretty severe burn, more than more than a first degree, but not a third degree, just a, a very hot, you know, blister uh, type of thing. And so I'm praying about that. I'm praying about the day before. I'm praying about everything, and that burden is still there that day, and so uh, the day before, and so the. And so finally, as I'm making some final preparations out in the yard and getting things set up, I'm praying and I'm asking the Father, just rearrange her steps, rearrange her parents, whatever you need to do to make sure she doesn't touch that hot firework that's going to be going off, a sparkler, what we call a sparkler, where kids hold it and it sparkles and everything like that, but it's very hot. And, uh, and, and I, and when I prayed that and was finally done with that, finally that, that burden lifted, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, and, and finally that burden lifted and there was peace and there was joy. So I know, I knew that the whole day, uh, would be at peace. All right. And had made provision. That was the only thing he showed me about that day and, uh, to be concerned with. So here comes July 4th. Everybody's up. Everybody's having a, a wonderful time. And during the middle of the day, and I've got one of my granddaughters sitting next to me, the oldest one, and, um, and during the day, the one of the girls, the oldest daughter of, of one of our friends, who's uh, about 12 years old, 
she caught her her flip flop, uh, her foot sandal thing on an edge of a chair and she fell hard against other chairs and it hurt her hip. And she was very brave, fighting back tears and and laying there, but for, for quite a several minutes. And I'm sitting there with my granddaughter and I'm going, okay, father, you did not show me that. You would have shown me that hurt, that injury to her hip. She's laying there, she's fighting back tears, but she's like, I'm okay. She's put on a brave upper lip, you know, but she doesn't want to move too much because it hurts. And, and, and I, in my mind instantly, I'm going, okay, father, you did not show me this. This was her little sister with the fingertips being burned. So therefore, because you did not show this to me, I believe there's provision for healing because either, either this hip injury is, is nothing or there is healing there. Either way, it's covered because you would have shown me otherwise. And so I grabbed my granddaughter and, and this girl's, like I said, about 12 years old. So I told my granddaughter, I said, uh, well, I asked the girl, I said, where does it hurt? And she put her hand on her hip. And I told my granddaughter, I said, okay, you put your hand on her hip and I'll put my hand over yours. I want everything to be done decently, properly in order um, and morally upright and ethically upright and all that. So I put my hand on my granddaughter's hand that was on her, her hip. And we just said very simply, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I think my granddaughter said, repeated that or something similar. We didn't really pray uh, per se because of, Jesus never prayed for healing. Neither did the apostles. They just commanded, you know, such as I, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Or telling Dorcas, the dead uh, disciple there in Acts chapter 9, get up. Um, so it, it was just a command in the name of Jesus, be healed, took our hands off and uh, found out later she was she was well. So you know, she felt, she told her dad she felt better immediately after, after we laid hands on her. So the point is I had enough confidence in what the Lord had told me earlier, the, the burden that had been lifted and was confident in that he'd shown me everything negative that would happen. So be, when something happened that was contrary to what he'd shown me or was outside that scope, I knew that there was healing provided. I knew that it was taken care of. So anyway, the other incident came this past week in which uh, Barb was at the grocery store and she said she just felt so heavily that she was supposed to pick up a box of mushrooms. And in her mind, she's going like, I'm not fixing anything with mushrooms, but she's done this enough times. She, she doesn't argue with the Lord very much on these things anymore. And so she said, very heavy impression, pick up a box of mushrooms, picks up almost audible, pick up a box of mushrooms, not audible in her mind, but down in her spirit, pick up a box of mushrooms. So she did Sunday, we come home Sunday, um, she fixes, you know, sandwiches on Monday, uses up provolone cheese and turkey or chicken or whatever it is. We have sandwiches, wonderful. So on Monday afternoon or Monday evening, she goes over to our neighbor and our neighbor gives us a bunch of squash, zucchini squash, yellow squash, tomatoes, and things like that that Barb comes back with. And in her mind thinking, what am I going to fix with this? And then she remembered we have a recipe that we call zucchini linguine. And it's, it's, uh, zucchini and green onions and mushrooms and other squash, if you want to add that in. And then at the last second, some diced tomatoes and you saute that around in some olive oil and basil and garlic. And then you cook some linguine pasta and then you, you melt over the top of the vegetables provolone cheese. And, 
And so Barb, when she fixed it, she fixed this last night. It was delicious. And she said, it was so good of the Lord to, to tell me ahead of time, pick up the mushrooms because he knew that our neighbor was going to give us the, the rest of the ingredients for this, for this meal. Otherwise I'd have nothing to do with all those fresh vegetables. Um, you know, and so, and so the, the, the grace was, I said, now look at the lesson. I said, he told you to pick up the mushrooms. And, and you did that, but he didn't say anything about you using up most of the provolone cheese. She said, well, we still have one or two slices of that, you know, uh, here at the house. And I said, yeah, I said, but the, the point is we ha also had an alternative. We had one or two slices left of provolone cheese. We also had Swiss cheese. We have Parmesan cheese. So there was an alter alternative method of cheesing the pasta. And, um, and because of that, he didn't say anything about and pick up some provolone. You know, that would have given her a clue what she was about to fix. But then she would have get, said, but I don't have any squash. I don't have any tomatoes, etc." So he told her just to get the mushrooms, knowing that we, even though she'd use up most of the provolone in the sandwiches on Monday, that we still had an alternative. And see, that's the way the Lord is a lot of times. He will He will give you the highlight of things that are beyond your control. In this case, pick up mushrooms because they're not just growing around or laying around the house. But the things within our control, we, we had an alternative to the provolone that the recipe called for. We had mozzarella, we had Parmesan, we had other cheeses on hand to make up the difference. And so that's what you have to look at. A lot of times the Lord will tell you the core issue, but if something else is within your control, then you're expected to take care of it. And so that's, that's a, uh, that hopefully will, will give you a variety of different examples here of that it all gets back to what was the last thing the Lord told you. Even in Mark chapter five, when the Lord is on his way to Jairus's house and, and Jairus receives word that his daughter is dead, the Lord turns to him immediately and says, just believe. And what the Lord meant by that is go back to the original thing that Jairus believed. And you can look at it in Mark chapter five. And what he said was, if you come and lay my hands on her, my daughter will live. So the Lord was going back to go to that original thing that you believed and don't worry at that point. The, the, the moment Jesus said, I'm going to come and lay hands on her, it didn't matter if the girl was remaining sick or whether she was dead because Jesus was coming. So, I mean, it's like it, it didn't matter. And so Jesus told Jairus, just believe, go back to that original thing that you believed. In that case, that, that Jesus would lay hands on her and she would live. So the point is, Peter was asleep because he had received Lord, word from the Lord a couple years earlier that he, when he was old, he'd be crucified, not young, and die by the edge of the sword. Paul shook off the viper into, into the fire because he'd just been told a, a day or a night earlier by an angel, fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. So Paul had enough faith that, that when the, the poison snake bit him, he just thought, okay, this isn't going to, no harm is going to come because provision is there because I've already been promised I'm going to be brought before Caesar. Same thing with my wife with the, the mushrooms, me with the fireworks and the, and the believing for the healing. Stick to what the Lord originally told you. Stick to, go back to that. And that's how you walk in faith. That's how you walk with the Father. That's knowing the ways of the Father. All right. I'm closing this out. I hope that's been a blessing to you. A lot to pick there. You may want to go back and, and visit it again.